0: Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Susie tonight, and our topic is answering the Lord's prayer. We think a lot about prayer in terms of our asking things of the Lord. Occasionally we remember to be thankful to the Lord or we pray for somebody else and so on. But a lot of it is about us asking the Lord for something. We want this. We, we wish for that and so on. Uh, but there's a sense in which uh, the Lord has a prayer that he's hoping that we will answer. So that's what we're going to be exploring here tonight. And I invite you to join us. Let's open with a prayer, shall we, friends? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, for gathering us together in your name. We open the pages of your word seeking you, Lord. Please tell us about your will, about your wisdom, about what it is that you would have us to do. Amen. Sending love to those of you who are out there online and on the phone and getting the audio podcast and so on. Great pleasure to be with you again. Uh, The prayer, answering the Lord's prayer. Um, There are various passages. One of the curious things uh, in scripture is that the Lord himself, Jesus, when he was in this world, prayed so much. And there are times when he prays or says things in front of other people, and the text makes it clear that he's doing that for the sake of the other people who are overhearing. But there are uh, many times when he just prays by himself. And I thought what we might do for starters here is just look at these passages, uh, and part of what it brings up is, um, for, from the Sweden standpoint that this Bible study comes from, uh, if. Jesus is the embodiment of God God himself. There's no other god. He's the one only god. Why would he be praying? You know, what what is he doing praying? Doesn't that seem like that undermines that point of view? Let's look at Matthew, so starting the first of the gospels there, chapter 14. Just want to read a few passages on the subject of prayer here to begin with. Um Okay, uh, let's look at verses 22 and 23 there.
1: Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Mm. Now when evening came, he was alone there.
0: That's right. That's all we'll read for tonight. But uh, so he goes up on a mountain
1: to pray,
0: and a mountain, as you may know, if you've watched some of these Bible studies before, always has to do with love. So he's he's going to a place of love, and he's and he's praying, and he does it alone. It's not for show or whatever. You know, uh, he's he's doing that prayer. Uh, turn to the right and go to Mark chapter one. If you would, it's the next gospel and uh, chapter 1, verse 35, after a busy time of healing the night before. Go ahead.
1: Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed.
0: Yes. So he he prayed. And uh, let's read on a little bit because that's fun.
1: And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Uh
0: Aha! Now, I don't know for a fact, but it seems like when he went, uh, off by himself to pray got up very very early, you know before daylight went out to pray by himself Then in three verses he seems to have a new sense of what his mission is uh, You know, no, I you know Like his mission is sort of unfolding for him as he prays so he prays and then he has a sense No, I'm not just here. I'm supposed to go to other towns, you know, and this has come to him as, as an answer to his prayer uh, that's how it seems. Anyway, Mark chapter six, um, verse forty-six. I think this is a parallel passage of, of of another one we already read.
1: And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray.
0: Yes, there he is. He's going off by himself again to pray. Look at Mark chapter eleven. I don't know if somebody's able to get the door. I think I heard Somebody the door did, tonight. But... Did someone get it? Oh, good. That's great. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. Chapter 11. Um, Oh, this was an important phrase. This is Jesus talking about prayer. Uh, Let's start at verse 22 there.
1: So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says.
0: Now, it's interesting that you're supposed to believe it before it comes to pass, right? Uh, That you'll have whatever you say. Go on.
1: Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them.
0: Yes, and uh, there's an ancient, I don't usually get into Greek manuscripts and so on in here. I think we've got enough to deal with in, <laughs> in, the, in the words that are before us. Uh, but in the Greek, some of the oldest manuscripts show that this is actually a past tense verb, believe that you have received them and you will have them, uh, which is interesting psychologically, I think, to, to get into that space of thinking it, it's already there. And, and then you will have it. And another important point there in verse 25.
1: And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Mm. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses.
0: Okay, so there's a reciprocal something in there, and that's part of the praying is about other people and to forgive uh let's uh, look at let's go to Luke to the right and Luke chapter five. Uh, verse 16 is just the same thing we've read a bunch of times.
1: So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed.
0: There you go, you see. And in chapter six uh, verse 12.
1: Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. All
0: night in prayer to God. Yes, all night. And then he, what does he do the next day? Let's look at verse 13 there.
1: And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. Now,
0: can't prove it again, but it seems like he prayed all night and the next day, okay, we're doing 12 apostles, you know, the, like he gets the clarity of here, here's, here's what we're doing. So he, he gets his marching orders when he's praying all night like that. Uh, look at Luke chapter 9. Let's read. Um, same thing again. 9 verse 18 is, is very similar to the other ones we've been reading there.
1: And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am?
0: That's right. And then they get into a conversation about who he is. And look just down in that same chapter uh, in verse 28.
1: Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up onto the mountain to pray.
0: Oh, what, what were they going up on the mountain to do? They were going up there to pray. Interesting. They are going up to pray.
1: And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem.
0: Yes, so this all transpires while he's praying. So here you get a sense of what, how powerful his prayer is. Uh, that his his clothes are radiating light, his, his face changes, and here you see Moses and Elijah who were long dead, and they appear in glory beside him, and they're talking with him about the crucifixion. That hasn't even happened yet, but they're having a discussion about it. And obviously Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets, you know, portions of the Old Testament. So there he is discussing with them what, what's going to happen. Uh, Luke 18, let's have a look at that. We're just grabbing some passages about, uh, oh, this is a fun one, Luke 18.
1: Start at the beginning?
0: Right at the beginning, there we go.
1: Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, Uh saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man,
0: I see. So this was a really God-fearing person? <laughs> no, this is someone who didn't care about people, and he didn't care about God. Go on.
1: Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. Uh-huh. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, <laughs> Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she may weary me. She, she wearies me. me. Yeah, she's going to wear me out. <laughs> uh, he's a pragmatic person, you
0: know. <laughs> I don't care about God. I don't actually care about her. But she just keeps coming. So <laughs> whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, whatever it is. Uh, let's look at verses 6 to 8. This is expressed in a rather strange way, but Scripture is always strange, isn't it?
1: Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge did. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth?
0: Yes. So you get the, the, the what he's saying. It's amazing that he likens God to this judge who doesn't care. You know, I mean, he's really pushing the metaphor. It's not that mm-hmm. God doesn't care, but he's really just pushing the analogy to say, even if someone doesn't care at all, uh, you, still just because you, you, you persist, um, that'll cut through. And so he's saying, we should. what, what did it say at the beginning? People all, ought to always pray and not lose heart, you know. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. So that's a little story about prayer that he has there. Uh, Let's go to John, Gospel of John, chapter 14. So that's to the right from where we were. And although it doesn't mention the word prayer, it does have stuff about asking in here. Let's start at verse 12.
1: Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Mm. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it.
0: Wow, that's a very powerful statement. Uh, the, the, the works that I do, and Jesus is doing all these miracles and preaching and teaching and so on. And he says, the works that I do... If if you believe in me, you'll do them also. And greater works than these you'll do because I go to my Father. I think what that means, first of all, Father there means divine love, just like the mountain before. And the fact that he's going to be united with the divine love at the end of this process that he's going through means that there will be an even more powerful connection between God and human beings uh, as a result of what he did. Uh, so you know, you'll do the same things I do and when I go to my father, you know, greater works than these you'll do and whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. It is important to note here uh, how Swedenborg interprets the word name, that name doesn't just mean Jesus, it means the quality, the quality of compassion and truth, a desire to save everyone in the whole human race, that sort of thing. If we're... Asking things in that name, like if we have that quality, as we've been talking about these last couple of weeks, uh, that's when those prayers uh, will be effective. Okay, uh, let's turn to the right and go out in the Acts and Epistles here. I want to go almost all the way back. Let's say after Hebrews, you get to James back there, and in James chapter 5, there are some things about prayer. There's a lot in scripture about prayer, and it's amazing how much is in the epistles. In Acts, it's uh, almost like every chapter mentions prayer three or four times. You know, there's just a lot of praying in early Christianity. It's a really major part of, of this uh, religion. James chapter 5, uh, verse 13, gives this kind of practical advice.
1: Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Aha! Uh-huh. So if you're suffering,
0: you should pray. Go on.
1: Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Okay. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Aha!
0: Uh-huh. So like if you're if you're suffering, you pray. If you're sick, call the elders of the church, get them to pray. Right. And anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. There we have that phrase again. Go on.
1: And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Wow. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another Mm. that you may be healed.
0: Very direct command. Pray for one another. You know, confess your, your faults to each other. Pray for one another.
1: The effective... Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much.
0: Yes, and I don't think that's a gender-exclusive statement. Uh, I think the effect you know effect of ferv- fervent prayer of a righteous person uh, is powerful. It, it has an effect. And what example does he give of that?
1: Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, mm. and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit."
0: So this is how he's proving that and, and uh, uh, Elijah was a prophet, he was a righteous man. Uh, he, the, the fervent prayer uh, uh, avails much, you know, it, it's a powerful thing. Uh, so that seemed important to read about prayer. Let's go to the next, that's First Peter, and I want to go to chapter 3. Let's start at verse eight there, shall we?
1: Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another.
0: Ah, very similar sort of statement as we read in James there. That's right.
1: Love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, and that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Mm. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil.
0: Yes, and this is again written according to the appearance. It's not that the Lord turns his face away from people who do evil is that when you do evil you turn your face away from the Lord you experience him as turning his face away uh, but when we're in this condition that it calls righteousness there uh, then the Lord is paying attention to us is open to our prayers the the prayer of a righteous person has has a great effect uh, so our state the state that we're in the state of our heart and mind has an impact On the nature of our prayers. Uh, Let's turn to the right and uh, just before you get to the book of Revelation you've got the epistle of Jude and I just wanted to read verse 20 there
1: but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit
0: Praying in the Holy Spirit. I was so interested in that phrase because uh, you're not praying to the Holy Spirit. You're not praying for the Holy Spirit. You're praying in the Holy Spirit. Like you get into that state and then you pray from in there. Uh, That's all we'll read there. And in Revelation chapter 5, you turn to the right. um, John is up in, uh, in heaven. He's having visions of heaven. And this is what he sees, 5 verse 8.
1: Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints.
0: Oh, so the, prayer, now the saints would be the same as the righteous people, right? Uh, they, these prayers are up there in, in heaven, right? Like these prayers went up to heaven. Uh, Look at chapter 8 in Revelation, verses 3 and 4.
1: Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand.
0: Yeah, so you get this sense uh, that, that prayer is a powerful thing and being in a good state when you're praying. Think about Jesus praying and uh, he's transformed and light is coming out of his face and his clothing and so on. Uh, that the, the better a state that we're in when we pray, the, the better it goes, the more effective it is. You get that idea that it can go all the way up to heaven and do things. Okay, all right, that is good. Uh, Now I want to read a couple of things. Let's go back to Luke, if you will, the third of the Gospels, and go to Luke 22, because I want to read some passages about Jesus specifically praying for us. Look at Luke 22. I want to start at verse 31 there.
1: And the Lord said, <clears throat> Excuse me, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that a, he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's such a powerful thing that he says when you've returned to me, and then Peter, who is Simon protests, he says, you know, I'm, 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 with, I'm, I'm with you, I'm right here. But then he goes and, you know, denies him three times and all that. Uh, I have prayed for you, the Lord says. Satan has desired to have you. He may sift you like wheat. Hmm. Yeah, so this evil force wants to get a hold of Peter, but the Lord is praying for him that your faith will not fail, and from Swedenborg's standpoint, it's an interesting story because Peter means faith. We did a whole series on Peter, James, and John a while ago in Bible study, and Peter means faith. Uh, and I've prayed for you that your faith does not fail, and when you return to me, then strengthen you, brethren. Um, yeah, so that image, of the, that's so powerful to me of the Lord. You know, I would think that would send a bit of a chill through you <laughs> if the Lord <laughs> said you, you know, Satan wants to, you know, okay. sift you like wheat, but I'm praying for you that you're going to hang in there. Uh, but does that guarantee that Peter's going to hang in? Or, or is there something Peter has to do? He has to participate, doesn't he? And when he returns to the Lord, then he does tremendously strengthen the church and all kinds of people. And look at John chapter 17, so turn to the right. Uh, There are long prayers in here. John 17 begins with Jesus praying for himself and speaking to the Father. And then uh, let's start at, uh, where should we start here? Start at uh, verse 8, let's say.
1: For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them.
0: That's odd that he would say, I don't pray for the world, I'm just praying for the people who are following, and so on. That's a strange statement. Uh, I believe that in actuality, it's impossible for God to break it down. You know, it's like it says elsewhere in the scriptures. He sends his sun on everybody. He sends his rain on every. you know, good or evil. Like, it, it doesn't, doesn't change. But again, according to the appearance, because I think it's talking about people who are receptive, you know. Uh, verse 11.
1: Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with...
0: Yeah, that's good. And uh, this prayer goes on for quite a while. They're not of the world and so on. Uh, And uh, verse 20.
1: I do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word, mm. that all that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me.
0: Yes, and it goes on from there. So, so this is at the very end of Jesus' life. Uh, it's, it, we had the Last Supper all the way back in, um, where was it, chapter... 13 or something and here uh, uh, now he's praying so this is the very end of his life in the world and he's praying for all these people and he's praying praying for the people who are there now praying for the people who have yet to come it's it's powerful that the Lord is is praying for people okay and now the last thing I want to look at here along these lines is the Lord's prayer itself let's go to Matthew chapter 6 is a most remarkable prayer to me. And we've had some other, touched on it in Bible studies at other times. Uh, Matthew 6, let's start at verse uh, 5 there.
1: And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: um, so this, is, this adds an interesting twist that it's, it's not a for show thing. You know, it's, uh, that doesn't get you very far. Of just like, I want people to see how holy I am. See, I'm, I'm really praying my head off over here. Uh, what does he say to do?
1: But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door... Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words.
0: That's interesting
1: because we were told before in that other passage that we should be
0: persistent, right? But here it's saying, you know, don't just babble on and on and on or whatever. You know, you, you don't need to just go on forever. What does it say? A word to the wise is sufficient, you know, (laughs) the Lord can hear and and everything. Go on.
1: Therefore do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask
0: him. Which does raise the question of what the point is. (laughs) Uh, When I started my prayer life as an adult kind of thing, uh, not talking about you know parents teaching me to pray when I was young and stuff like that, but just when I started to pray for myself... I used to say uh, these really dumb prayers uh, because I would say, Lord, um, you know that I'm praying. You know what I'm going to ask for. You know whether I'll get it or not. So the point of the exercise somewhat escapes me right now, you know, and um, uh, (laughs) I couldn't really figure out what this thing was. What are we doing here, you know? What, what is what is prayer? What is the point of prayer? But uh, what I came to see over time is that prayer is actually a receiving something like the Lord wants. What does it say? Pray in the Holy Spirit, uh, that that praying is receiving. You think you're doing something and it's going out of you toward God. But actually, when you enter that state and you enter it, you know, in a voluntary way, uh, you're opening yourself to something that wants to flow into you. You know, the answer already wants you before you ask the question. If if you're, you know, really doing it in the Lord, it's not just to be seen by other people or whatever, but your heart is really asking that. that. That word fervent was interesting, wasn't it? the fervent and a, and a humble prayer say, Lord, I need this. Um, one thing that occurs to me to say is that I've, I've become convinced, I don't have a scripture on this for you, friends, but um, uh, this, there, there is a, uh, the way Swedenborg describes it, and the Bible describes it this way too, although it might be a little harder to understand from the Bible, but, but the, uh, there are two great worlds. You know, there's heaven and there's this world. And uh, heaven is full, Swedenborg says, of X people. There's nobody else up there except us, you know, our grandparents and whoever. You know, they're all people who lived in this world. And uh, there's no separately created race or, or whatever, he says. They're, they're all us. And those people up there, but they're people who have been uh, gone through some degree of perfection. That, that perfecting process never stops. But uh, people have come into a different state, a more sort of glorious state, a state of... Compassion, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, they've become love. They've become, you know, embodiments of truth and they're getting better and better at it over time. Uh, So, you've got really powerful beings up there in the spiritual world. Uh, So, you would think they should be telling us stuff, you know? They should be warning us And, and I'm not saying it never happens. But I think there are very strict rules on the communication. Uh, You may have heard me use this analogy before, um, because it's one that strikes me, that when when you get two very unequal people trying to be in a dance or trying to play music together or whatever, the only way it really works in a mutual way is when you do it according to the weaker of the two. Uh, the person, you know, you can't, you can't have some amazing, you know, musician just, oh, I'm going to go crazy and you do whatever you want. Uh, that's, that's not going to be fun, you know, together. You're not going to be playing together. The way it works is if the person who's not so good just goes, well, I know these chords, you know, and then the other one plays along, just fills in. Now you're working together, you know, now you've got a good, uh, a good thing going on. Heaven is stronger than we are. So it has to be by our, we call the shots. Because it wouldn't, they're, they're, they're too powerful. They would overpower us. Uh, and there are all sorts of rules that heaven is not, Swedenborg says, there are all sorts of rules. Heaven is not allowed to tell us new theological things that we, we weren't thinking already. They only, they're only allowed to uh, work within the parameter of what you already believe. The only way to get new beliefs is from other people in this world. That's one of the reasons we do this Bible study That's one of the reasons we have the Word, because something in this world can tell you something, but heaven's not allowed to directly come in and just stuff a new thought in your head. You know, it would be a little overpowering if they did that. But prayer defeats the mechanism. (laughs) You know, prayer, if you pray, then they're like, oh, okay, you asked, all right, boom, you know, and then they can dump (laughs) something in. Uh, so it, it defeats the 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 rule like that's within the order of it that okay it came from you you prayed for it you asked so now it's okay now we're not overwhelming you if we sort of put push this in now now we'll give you an answer to a prayer you know that kind of thing um, so uh hmm. let's so let's look at this Lord's Prayer here. Um Prayer is very important. That's why Jesus was praying. That's the way to do it. He was showing us how it's done. And he prayed a lot. And he prayed very well. And he teaches them to pray. And so the the Lord, and part of what I was driving at with all that before, was just that your father already knows what you need. The point is not to tell him something that's, wow, that really surprised me. I didn't see that coming. You know, that's not God's reaction (laughs) to to what, what we say. Uh, what he's, 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 He already knows what you need. It's like, do you know it? You know? Mm-hmm. And when you get in touch with it, when you enter prayer, then you realize, oh man, I really need to work on this or I should get in touch with so-and-so or whatever. You know. I've learned to pay attention to those things, as I'm sure you have good friends. When, when you're praying and somebody comes to mind or something, you know what I mean? Like there's a little signal there like, hey, you could do that good thing for somebody.
1: but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen
0: okay so there's the and then it goes on a little bit about forgiving trespasses and then the lord will forgive you but if you don't forgive then the lord then you don't receive the forgiveness in other words that's about the reception thing that we're talking about that you get into that receptive state um now, this is a familiar prayer to a lot of people. A lot of people say this um, a lot. I was interested to learn from Swedenborg that he says that the angels say this prayer every day. Uh, and uh, so this is the Lord's Prayer. It's um, I've studied it quite a bit, and it's an, it's an unusual prayer. It's a strange prayer. Like something that's completely absent from it is the word. Please, right? Nothing about please in there. It's nothing about thank you. It's an odd prayer. And I looked at the form. What is hallowed B? What is that be? Hallowed B. What's what? What is that B? What part of spe- or what sort of form is that in? These in the Greek are a beast that co- that is called. A third, forgive a little Greek lesson here, uh, person imperative. Now, it's very interesting that you would think the prayer would be full of, oh, Lord, I wish this or I want that or, you know, you're asking a question or something like that. An imperative is a command. All these verbs in the Lord's Prayer are commands. So, hallowed be thy name is a command. Thy kingdom come is actually a command in the Greek. Thy will be done, that's a command. Give us this day, that's a command. Forgive us our debts, that's a command. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. They're all commands. No asking, no thanking, no asking, all bossing around. You know, they're all (laughs) commands. But these third-person imperatives are interesting. We don't really have them in English. You see, if I boss you around, I use a second person imperative go do that, you know, do that, leave that alone, stop that, you know, and other fine parenting tools, you know. (laughs) Um, Those are second person imperatives. It's a direct command from me to you about what you have to do. A third person imperative is an interesting beast because it is me telling you that a third thing has to happen. And what's interesting about it, and I can think of English equivalents that I'll give you in a second, but what's interesting about it is that I don't say whether I'm going to do it. I don't say whether you're going to do it. I'm talking to you, but I just state a necessity about a third thing. That's what a third person imperative is. And so uh, the example that occurred to mine is if if I saw you... And I said, that dog has to get off my lawn, you know. And I'm not saying whether I'm going to do it, the dog's going to do it, you're going to do it. I haven't specified, but I'm telling you something about a third party, a third entity. Third person imperative. So these are all third person imperatives. You pray, our Father who art in heaven, your name has to be kept holy. I'm not saying whether I'm going to do it or you're going to do it, but it has to happen. Your name has to be kept holy. Your kingdom has to come. It must come. I'm not saying whether I'm going to do that. I'm not saying whether you're going to do it, but it has to happen. That's what thy kingdom come means. Uh, Thy will be done. It means your will has to be done. I'm not saying whether it's just not specified whether I'm doing it or you're doing it. I'm just saying it's got to. You know, it's got to happen. And then the others are more straightforward uh, imperatives of forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, and so on, uh, where you're asking that of God. But I'm very interested in those first three particularly. You know, your name has to be kept holy, your kingdom has to come, your will has to be done. And then it specifies the same way on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, it's, a, it's the same way. Um, so that's how the will you know, has to be done. This is something to unite heaven and earth. What a strange prayer to say to God, our Father in the heavens, these three things have to be the case. You know, it's an interesting type of prayer. And I haven't specified who's I'm not saying you get on it. You know, that that's not what the prayer says. It just says this has to happen. These these three things have to happen. Uh, and the same way on earth as it is in heaven. And then it gets into our daily bread, forgive us our debts. So you start, you see, it starts from a very kind of high place, doesn't it? The prayer, it starts high um, with, with the name of God and your kingdom come, your will be done. And then it's about our daily bread and then about our problem, you know, we forgive our debts and lead us not into temptation. And then evil, you get evil down the bottom there. It's an interesting prayer. Swedenborg says that when he would pray that prayer, every time he prayed it, it he, he would see something different in it. It would, it would come out differently. But he describes it as being in a shape. There's a shape, and it's sort of like a, a cone or something, like, like it comes down. And sometimes when I've been praying really deeply about the Lord's Prayer, I can see that shape, but I don't know whether is the name below and then the kingdom's higher and then the, then the will is at the top or does it go the other way or is each one like your name which is on the outside has to be kept holy which is a higher thing and your your kingdom which is up there has to come and your will even farther down has to be done you know as in heaven so on the earth anyway there, there's shapes in there it's a very very interesting prayer and so brief one other thing I want to say about it is just that um Uh, I don't have the scripture right in front of me here. I think it's in Philippians and and other places, but but, uh, Jesus, when he was glorified, rose far above the heavens. Who is our Father in the heavens? Because he's God, Jesus, way up, all above the heavens. It teaches that very clearly. So who is our Father in the heavens? Swedenborg says that's the divine love. Father means the divine love. That's the divine love as it is received in heaven. It's something accessible. You know, like the divine as it is in itself is just unknowable and transcendent and mind-boggling. You know, we, we could never grasp it. Uh, but we pray to something that we can grasp, uh, which is our, our Father in the heavens, uh, that divine love as it's manifested in heaven, as it's received. You know, it's just an interesting point about what we're doing there. So I'm intrigued that the prayer doesn't specify who's going to do it. You know, and our topic tonight is answering the Lord's prayer. Now, that may sound kind of uh, blasphemous. You know, uh, we think about the Lord answering our prayers. There's lots of scriptures about hearing prayers, about, you know, prayers being answered and so on. This is obviously a thing in, in scripture. Uh, There's nothing about uh, us answering the Lord's Prayer or something like that. But uh, the sense in which I say this is that um, Swedenborg makes this astonishing statement that the Lord's Prayer is a prophecy. It's a prophecy. And he says quite specifically, maybe you've heard me talk about this before, good friends, I don't know. That, uh, that when when Jesus was in this world, he launched Christianity, and it sort of did all right for a couple hundred years, and then started to you know you know go off the rails and so on, and uh, some crazy stuff started happening in connection with it, and all that. And he, I refer to that as Christianity version 1.0. There was sort of the, the first sort of trial balloon version of Christianity, and it got into a mess with certain things. Uh, Swedenborg says that Scripture teaches that there will be another go. You know, there'll be a Christianity version 2.0. This is what's talked about at the end of the book of Revelation with the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, which is after Jesus is resurrected and everything, but Paul's seeing this vision of the distant future that there will be this holy city coming down. Swedenborg says that that New Jerusalem is what he's talking about. That's Christianity, version, what I call version 2.0, Uh, It's not that the first one wasn't Christian, but Swedenborg would dare to say that that second one is truly Christian, like it gets more of who Jesus is and what Scripture is about and so on. And he says that the Lord's Prayer is a prophecy of that time. The Lord's Prayer is a prophecy of that time. It's about a time when people will really understand the Father's name. Hallowed be thy name. The name has to do Uh, with the qualities of compassion and truth that that divine love has. Thy kingdom come is all about the Lord's coming into this world, you know, the holy city New Jerusalem coming down in a more powerful way. Uh, The Lord's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that like majorly breaking out? I didn't see that in my news feed. Uh, the, my news feed seems to tell me that all hell is breaking loose, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Uh, there's, it's just amazing how many shootings and bombings and madness and political things crumbling, and so you know. I'm not saying there aren't millions and billions of good people in the world, and people who are, are working hard and everything, uh, but there's a lot of sense of chaos and, and mayhem in this world. I would say, and hmm. Um, so I don't think we're quite at the fulfillment of thy will be done. You know, I don't think we're quite at the fulfillment of the Lord's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what that holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, you know, that's a picture of what, what will happen. And I'm very encouraged to think that we haven't really hit it yet. You would think 2,000 years after Christianity started, that it's a very old religion and we're all getting over that, you know, like that was so (laughs) yesterday and everything uh, so passe now. Uh, I'm excited about the idea that, oh, no, this thing hasn't even gotten started yet. You know, there's so much more to come in terms of people turning into uh, angels. What did Jesus say? The things that I do, you will do, and greater things than these will you do because I go to my father. What is he talking about? I mean, that's amazing! What a ridiculous thing to say! You know, that's astonishing, and yet that's what he said. And we've talked the last couple of weeks about how we can become an embodiment of love and manifestation of the truth and all that. This is what Scripture teaches. It teaches, as I've talked about before, about a a time, Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7 in there, that that of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Uh, that's, That's where we're going. Uh, Someplace very, very positive. Um, So if the Lord's prayer is a prophecy, if it's actually a prayer for something that hasn't happened yet, it's praying for a time when the Lord will be better known, for a time when this world will be His kingdom. It says in the book of Revelation, the kingdoms of our world have become kingdoms of the Lord and of His Christ. Uh, you know, there's some time in the future when when this is really going to come down into our world in a more meaningful way. And part of that will be that the law will be written on people's hearts. And it says people will not say to each other, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the greatest of them to the least, the Lord says. Uh, these are just certain predictions about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, so envisioning a time when that kingdom comes and when the Lord's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a radically positive view of what's going to happen. Then I think the rest of the prayer is about how we get there. Like we, you know, the daily bread, uh, forgiving the the debts as we forgive other other people. Very important has come up several times tonight. The forgiveness thing is a big thing about how this is going to work. You know, where we forgive other people, we get our daily bread, And we prayed not to be led into temptation, but to be delivered from evil. You know, the Lord wants to improve us because his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um, So if that's the Lord's prayer, if the Lord's prayer, if that's what the Lord is praying, the Lord is praying, I want a world that's heaven on earth. That's what I'm doing this whole thing for. I didn't come down into the world for my health or to enjoy strolling around the pleasant countryside and so on. I wanted to transform the human race. The Lord wanted to come into this world in order to bless the human race. What did it say about Abraham all the way back there? Be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That's what the Lord came into this world to do. And He went through that transformation in order to show us how to go through a transformation. His soul was divine, ours is finite, and so on, but... Uh, It's still a model of something that we can go through. And uh, Hebrews teaches that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, what could possibly change to fulfill this prayer? Is the Lord going to change? No, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So is, the Lord, so is the Lord going to be different? No, it's not going to be on the Lord's side. That prayer doesn't specify whether He's doing it or we're doing it, but we're praying that that has to happen. That has to happen. The Lord's name has to be treasured in a different way. That kingdom has to come. That will has to be done. The Lord's already done His work. He came into the world. He went through all that, fought the hells, conquered the thing, ordered heaven and hell, did the whole thing, resurrected, glorified. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's done His part. I'm not saying He's not an active force in the world, because He is. But He's done. We're the ones who need to answer the Lord's prayer. We're the only variable in this thing. He's done. He's there already. Everything, the whole stage is set, you know. We're the ones who need to answer the Lord's prayer. We're the ones who have the capacity to receive the Lord by saying this prayer where we can try to yank that kingdom down a little bit, you know, try to do that will, you know. The the Lord already did it. He, He already did His part. Um, would this be a good time for me to introduce a, a, a really ridiculous analogy, good friends? <laughs> I was thinking the other day, I was, I was going to a workout, and I was thinking about, you know, my relationship with this trainer that I, that I work with, um, and I, I just started thinking about it. I thought, I just imagined this crazy thing, and for, forgive me for all this nonsense, but um, I was picturing somebody. Who comes into a lot of money and people are telling the person you know you should really like get in shape you should you should get fit or something like that so the person thinks well I don't want just any old personal trainer I want like an Olympic trainer I want the best of the best I can afford the best on earth so I'm gonna get the best Olympic trainer on the face of the earth so calls around makes some connections says okay you know I want to hire you to be my personal trainer So the Olympic trainer comes in and then the person says, "Okay, now I know you have the power. I know you people, you have secrets, you have things you can do. You know how the human body works and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so the trainer said, "Okay, well, I need you to tell me a little bit about your goals. What do you what do you want to do? Well, I want to be ripped. I want (laughs) to be so buff that it'll just amaze people. So the trainer said, that's good. That's a that's a great that's a great goal. Uh, uh, we've got a little ways to go from where we are now but you know we, we, we can do that we can do that um, okay so what I need to do the trainer says is to get kind of a baseline I want to know sort of what's your ability right now and so on so you know how, how about you just uh, like give me a push-up or, or something like that so the guy says well I don't know if I know how to do that I mean could you could you like demonstrate it for me or something? So the trainer gets down and he says, okay, well, you get your shoulder joint over, over your hands and so forth, get your scapula down in the back and so forth, and, and you go like this. And the guy says, oh, you are great at that. <laughs> you are really, really good at that. So the guy says, well, let, let's see what you've got. He said, oh, no, I could never do that in, in front of you. I mean, I mean, that would just be humiliating. I doubt I could even do one. Um, so the guy says, well... How, how do you want to go about this? So okay, let's do some leg stuff. And the guy says, "Oh no, that's not going to work for me because like I have, I have this bum knee, and I, I'm just telling you, you know that that's. Uh, uh, I, I tried that years ago. That was not good. We, it's not pretty. We we don't want to go there. So the guy says, um, "Well, I don't know quite how this is going to work. I mean, do you want to do some ab stuff or something like this? Oh, no, 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 not not. They get so sore. I mean that that's unpleasant. I I, I don't I don't want to do that uh, particularly." Um, but I tell you what, if you did a workout and I watched, I think I would learn a lot from that, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and the trainer says, well, you know, it really doesn't work that way. I mean, I really need something coming from you. I, you know, I need, I, I get that you're motivated. Uh, you just don't want to do anything at the moment, <laughs> as far as I can tell, um, but I really need something coming from you. And the other person said, "Well, you were supposed to be this great trainer, this amazing <laughs> Olympic trainer. You know, I mean, <laughs> you're telling me, you know, I, you know, I just have to do these simple things." I mean, I was hoping to come out of this session just ripped. I mean, (laughs) this afternoon. And the guy said, well, if we work really hard for the next three to five years, you know, we might be able to... No, no, no. I thought you were amazing. Don't you know the human body and how this whole thing works and everything? And, uh, you know, you're supposed to be this amazing trainer. And the trainer says, "Um, uh, I just have to tell you that the people I work with... And the other guy says, well, like they're really gifted, right? I mean, they're just gifted, amazing athletes. He said... Well, the main thing is, like, some of them are, are, have sort of raw talent and all that, but they work really, really hard. I mean, they've got fire in their belly. What you're talking to me about is, like, you might do 0 to 5% of the work, and I'm going to do 95% of the work <laughs> or something. I need you. I don't need you at 50%. I don't need you at 705 I don't even need you at 100%. I need you at, like, 107 108, 110. If you're giving me more than you have so that you are crying by the time this session is done, uh, I can work with that and you'll move very quickly and I know how to work with you and all that kind of stuff. But uh, if you don't want to, you know, if you want to have a workout that doesn't involve your legs, your arms, or your core, <laughs> ear wiggling is about all we're <laughs> left with here. So anyway, that's my ridiculous story. But um, the purpose of that, I was really thinking about, you know, there are all these teachings in the world. There's forms of Christianity 1.0 that says that we don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it all for us. We don't have to do anything. We just believe, accept the Lord. It's like thinking you're going to be ripped in, in an afternoon or something, you know. It's madness. Nothing works that way. That's not how it is. And when you really think about meditate about the Lord being the same yesterday, today and forever, then everything about our progress is on us. We need to be not at 50 percent, not at 75, but at 100 or or over in terms of our and how much fun is that for a trainer to work with um, to work with people who are so motivated and so eager, you know, how, how how important is that? That's what the Lord is looking for. So the Lord's prayer is a prayer for a better world. And He is actually looking to us to answer that prayer. Of course, He's going to be involved in doing it. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Without Him, we can do nothing and so on. Of course, He's involved, but He's got to have us not just meeting Him halfway, but working so hard on our end to make this thing happen. So that's how this world will move forward. We're in a difficult situation here, friends, but the Lord is calling on us to answer His prayer, to make His dreams come true of turning this world into a heaven on earth. Would you join me for closing prayer, good friends? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you for bowing the heavens and coming down into this world. We seek you, Lord. We want to be worthy of your training. Help us as we go through our self-examination and repentance, laying aside the sin, putting aside those things that stand in your way. And help us, Lord, teach us those righteous prayers where we receive that love and compassion from you in our heart as we pray and help us to carry that forward into our lives, making this world a better place. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, so we can get in shape.